Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. I want to tell you the guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night of the town. Every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had, 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Roos Chris, open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 till uh, 10 p.m. Tell them Oilers now sent you. So we head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino for Acadian custom-built homes. We welcome back to the show the former general manager of the uh, – Tampa Bay Lightning, now with the NHL Network, uh, might be joining another club shortly. I guess time will tell in that regard. We welcome back Brian Lawton. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Bob. How are you? Uh, good, good. Uh, hey, look, I, I, are you comfortable if we do something here? Because I did not know this story about you. Uh, I always thought that when you became the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, you, you left Octagon's agency and went in, into uh, the hockey management business. I had thought you, uh, you know, you, you had you had a pre-existing relationship with Oren Kulis or uh, Tyson Berry's father, Len Berry, who were owners of the Lightning. Um, perhaps you can. Are you comfortable sort of telling the story a bit about how you ultimately got that job? What do you think? Well, I guess I have no choice right I'm now. Nothing like so. putting you on the spot on live radio, eh? <laughs> I'm totally comfortable with it. You know that. There's anything you can ask me. That's always been the rule. Okay. So, yes, I, I can tell the story. Uh, it's not much of a story. I applied for the job like many other people. Uh, some of them are presidents or GMs now. I remember the people that were in that job search. And, um, you know, just uh, had to go in and, and try to prove you know, why I thought I could potentially do a good job for Tampa. I had never met Warren Coolis. I had never met Len Barry, but of course I knew who Len was. Um, Warren was just totally cold to me. And uh, actually, believe it or not, Don Meehan was the person that I had run into. And he said, hey, Brian, you know, he was very happy I got out of the age of business because we used to compete, but Donnie uh, was always gracious to me and I was to him. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'd love to uh, get involved with team management. And he said, let me make a few calls for you. And he was actually the one that knew Len Barry from a relationship when he had represented Len. And he called him, and that's how it all started. That's what got it going. I eventually, you know, wrote a, you know, pretty in-depth, detailed 60-page plan that outlined how I thought (laughs) an organization should function. 60 pages. Yeah. 60 pages of kind of covering everything from, you know, the, the hot topics, right? Culture, of course, uh, went into coaches, went into club rules, uh, went into personnel, went into the style of players that I believed you needed at that time to succeed in the NHL. And uh, Oren was the guy that really interviewed me. Of course, Oren Coolis is very famous in his own right. He's the creator of uh, the owner of Saw, not the creator. He bought it from two kids from Australia. But uh, he is the individual owner of the Saw franchise. And he also was an executive producer for a very famous show in the United States, which I'd imagine is get some airtime in Canada, which was Two and a Half Men, as well as having done a number of other movies. And Oren's son, who played in Medicine Hat, 
is actually uh, working on his first two movies, which Warren is back in the business, helping his son and doing an amazing job. Warren hasn't done any other projects other than just Saw movies over the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. So that's kind of exciting for him. But Oren and I hit it off. We're good friends. I spoke to him this morning. It's not uncommon for me to speak with him three to five times a week. He lives in L.A. Uh, I live in Minnesota, New York, of course, with my job. And uh, we just have remained really, really good friends. I do not or have not really seen Len Berry much since those days. There was a very public rift between Len and Oren. Uh, it was not a fun ordeal to go through. I can tell everybody that uh, it eventually ended up blocking one of the what would have been one of the biggest trades in the history of the NHL. Uh, I won't get into names, but involving a superstar player for a bunch of young players that nobody had ever heard of. And I'm being facetious with that, but young players that hadn't made their mark in the league yeah. and uh, all all went on to some some pretty good. Uh, pretty good careers to say the least so all right you've opened uh, that's up the story you asked me there it is well all right so you did you so you did an interview with Oren. was there a point during the interview where he just said you're a guy pretty much by the end of it he had met with a number of people it's funny he brought this up to me today about one of the people i don't know how it came up but he said yeah you know i just could not connect with that person and it can be that simple a lot of times depending on who's doing the interviewing process. Yeah. In Oren's case, he actually went fairly detailed through what I had written. Len was a little bit more of a feel guy. It either felt right or it didn't to him. So uh, it was probably about 80-20 in terms of who I interviewed with. Okay. So and, uh, you know, I was at the draft with those guys, and I remember that it was Luke Shen's year, I think, and maybe Braden was there too. So, and of course, Tyson uh, played with Luke. In Kelowna. And, um, in Kelowna, thank you, along with Tyler Myers and a bunch of other uh, you know, good players. Yeah, uh, we're joined right now by Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, the former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So a 60-page document, you, you you do the interview. Primarily, it's Oren Kulis. Uh, Miles, by the way, as you know, uh, played for the Oilers farm team down in Bakersfield. Um, I, I think I can say, you know, like Oren would reach out to me and say, Stoff, Evan Bouchard's going to be a player. I'm telling you guys that right now, there's a player there. And Oren played in the Western Hockey League as well. He's, uh, he's an American, but he did play in the WHL. Um, and, and so as you see Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup final today, is it bittersweet for you knowing you made the Stamkos pick in 08, but you went to bat for Hedman in 2009. And I mean, with all due respect to the subsequent players, and look, they built their team because they hit on a bunch of second and third round picks like Kucherov and Point. Those are incredible picks. But the two stars, that you, you know, you got Stamkos number one in 08. It wasn't, was, was it, did you have to sell to your, your scouting staff to go down the Hedman uh, plan in 2009? What exactly happened there, Brian? Uh, the story that year was that, you know, when you come in as a new manager and you're trying to get to know your staff and try to set out some ground rules, some things that, you know, may go into other people's jobs. It's not necessarily the GM's job to make every pick in the draft. But for me, any any player in the top five really fell to my responsibility. And that's all I ever said when I kind of set the tone of this is how we're going to do it. You guys have complete autonomy 
except for this. And Jim Hammett was running our scouting staff, and Jim does a really good job. Ultimately, you know, and you also explain how you see a team built. For me, it's always about building from the blue line in both directions. That's a little bit uncommon in the NHL. Most people think you need to have strength down the middle. And if not that, then they typically focus on you need a great goaltender. Well, I see the game different. I was a forward, but I, the best teams I played on, it was from experience, were the ones where we had a strong D core that allowed us to control the pace of play, control the tempo, and to adjust to be able to play different styles. Now, that's how I came to arrive at how I see the game. Ultimately, um, I did something that was not current with really what the map said. When you're picking at the top of the draft, it's typically star star offensive players. Um, that probably was a challenge for our staff. They, they were more right than I was in that by the math, if you pick a star forward, you will do better than attempting to pick a Chris Pronger or an Eric Johnson or Gordy Kluzak. I'm trying to think of number ones that were D over the years. That's a few of them right there. Greg so, Jolly in 74. Uh, Greg Jolly in 1974, of course, for the Washington Capitals. Now you're testing my knowledge, Bob. In any event, um, we, had a dis- we never had a disagreement because I went to all the beatings and I always injected some thoughts, but I never corrected anyone. I never said, I don't agree with that or this or that. You just listen and you let the guys get a good staff and let them do their job. Ultimately, by the end of the years, I continued to get out and see Hedman, watch his games. I had made the determination that he would be our pick, and that was actually even before the lottery. But you still continue the process. You never know what may happen. You hear about the combine, which just happened in the NHL, and that's a chance to really sit down with these kids. We did something a little bit different in that we brought John Tavares Victor Hedman and Matt Duchesne all to Tampa following the combine at the same time. And I did that for very specific reasons. I wanted to see the three kids interact right next to each other. I wanted them to do a little training. They'd get to know each other together. And it wasn't really training. It was more testing. And then I wanted to be able to interact with the three of them and individually. That's the way we did it. Um, And I involved the ownership at that point. Warren Coolis met with all of them, essentially interviewed all of them himself, which was a little bit unique, but the, the kids were great. People wanted to play in Tampa, so the players were happy to do it. It was tough on their schedules, but I appreciate them taking the time. I appreciate the help from all the agents to line that up. And ultimately, a decision that I already thought was going to be final was confirmed as final in Victor Hedman. I met with the ownership group. I told them exactly. Our scouts had Matt Duchesne second. We had Victor Hedman third on our list. And it was counterintuitive as to what I thought it should be. It was counterintuitive as to how I believe in team building. And I ultimately made the decision to override that pick and switch to Victor Hedman. I can tell you early on, Bob, that I got a lot of grief from that, from a number of different people that didn't agree with me. And to be honest with you, Matt Touchane was a better player in year one than Victor Hedman in terms of impact. That did not surprise me. It's easier to come in as a forward than it is as a D. Um, But all these years later, 
it's not vindication or anything like that. I just think it was the right decision. And Matt had a terrific year this year for Nashville. I was thrilled to see that. Uh, Victor Hedman, of course, has been a rock on the back end for a number of years, and he's going to be in his fourth finals this year along with Stammer. That's yeah. pretty impressive. We're joined right now by Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, the former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He started Octagon's player agency. Uh, you, you said you wouldn't say who the high-profile star player was out of Tampa that you blocked the deal. Uh, you're not going to confirm or deny it was Vincent LeCavier or Martin St. Louis, are you? No, I'm not. It's ancient news. It seems self-serving. Okay. I don't really like to get into it. It's just, you know, it's an example of for ownership groups, you need to have guys that are in lockstep or can really cause problems. All right. So let's take it a different direction. I'm going to get you to put your agency hat on here for a second. Dan Milstein represents both Evander Kane and he's got Andre Kuzmenko. Now, you can make... Uh, it's it's funny what happens with players, Brian, when they come to Edmonton. Patrick Maroon, I can make an argument right now that Patrick Maroon's career, if he doesn't come to Edmonton, I don't know if he's playing... I mean, he he, he struggled along the way, right? Like, he, he, he washed out the Flyers organization. Anaheim dumped them. Uh, then he scored a career-high 27 goals at Edmonton. Had double-digit goals the next year before going to Jersey. And subsequent to that, he's won three Stanley Cups as a support player. But goal-scoring high year at Edmonton. Uh, Chason, goal-scoring high year 22, career-high at Edmonton. Uh, this year, Hyman comes in, career-high 27 goals. Kane comes in for half-year 22 goals. I'm going to ask you as an agent. You got Kuzmenko, you got Kane. Would you p- potentially look at packaging those players to the same organization, knowing who Edmonton has as a first and center, second line center? Would that cross your mind at all, or do you have to deal with each player on an individual basis? You'd like it to be on an individual basis, but I did come across agents, particularly one agent around that region that wanted to package guys together. And one of the players, of course, was a guy by the name of Marion Hosa, but there was another player that he wanted to package with in that particular deal. Hey, <laughs> Rich, how you that's doing? All uh, that's all I'll say. <laughs> so, it, you know, there's nothing to prevent an agent from doing that. It's just from a team's perspective, it has to work or fit. In this example that you're giving, yeah, I could see a world where those two things would fit. wouldn't necessarily have to be sold as a package, but yes, agents do think that way at times. Your general manager, I'm gonna, you're going to switch it on you here. You're GM of the Edmonton Oilers, okay? How high would you go on a Vander Kane on, let's, let's throw a term out of four years. How much uh, per year on Kane on four years, based on what you saw here and uh, on his track record as a player? Uh, based on the performance, honestly, it would be certainly close to $7 million. Yeah. I don't think that's what the market is going to bear. But that's based strictly on performance. People are not going to discount some of the things that have happened in the past. Because of that, when I say people, I don't believe teams will. You're only looking for one, though. If money is your ultimate goal, then, yeah, there's a good chance somebody will go further than they probably should with the past history. Now, you could easily talk yourself into a deal like that because Evander Kane was a model citizen for the Edmonton Oilers, and he was an impact player for them in a massive way. 
um, if he continues to approach his job that way with the same veracity, positive attitude, and focus, then, yeah, you could say he's worth certainly upwards of $6 million. When it's all said and done, I believe he'll get something that starts with a five in that four-year range. And I think that'll be not necessarily a byproduct because someone won't go higher, but I think Evander is going to recognize how great it was to play with a really great centerman, no matter what, and to have a chance to win. I'm hoping uh, with his maturity that those things are going to resonate, and that doesn't mean he'll sign with Edmonton. He could find another team that has that type of profile, but I do think he'll look in that direction when it's all said and done. Tell me this, you're an agent for a pending UFA or maybe a guy that's looking to get moved out of a tough situation. Are you monitoring this situation with Kane, knowing that everybody that's kind of gone in there, again, Maroon, uh, Chason, you know, Hyman, Kane, guys have put up pretty good numbers. Are, are, you, are you looking at that going, well, you know what, if Kane doesn't go there, maybe I can get my guy. Does that cross an agent's mind when they're following where the uh, dominoes fall? Uh, it absolutely does. And you're always looking for that. You're looking for a great spot for your client. Sometimes you're looking to do a home run deal, you know, depending on their age. If they're UFA, we know they're older than 25, most likely older than 27. And, you know, even on average, the average UFA seems to be coming in just under 29 or in the 28 range. Even though we lowered, you know, free agency, it used to be 31, which was, you know, death for the players because you've really extended a lot of your currency or collateral as a player by the time you're 31, at least in terms of signing another big deal. So, yes, I think agents absolutely uh, are going to take note. The Pat Maroon instance has always been there, but I feel like people haven't focused on that as much. Now with what Hyman and Kane have done, I think it gives Edmonton just a little added advantage. With them being able to make it as far as they did this year to the final four, I think that stamps them as a real team now in the Connor McDavid era and Leon Dreisaitl era for that matter. So, yes, I do think it's going to be advantage for Edmonton. You mentioned your philosophy on defense. Final question for Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, started Octagon's player agency. Here we go, Brian. Uh, you mentioned building out from the D, and I'm one of the reasons why I'm bullish on where Edmonton might be able to get to. So Darnell Nurse... You know, six foot four, left shot D, played through a torn uh, hip flexor. Uh, they signed CeCe on a four-year deal, played pretty well here in a support role. Bouchard, high offensive game, top 11 in the league, scoring 5v5 this year on defense. Six foot two defenseman. They have Broberg, an eighth overall pick, six foot three and a half defenseman that can really skate. And then they have more support guys coming. Niemalainen, six foot five, physical guy. DeHarnay led the American League in plus minus, six foot seven, right shot. And I look at the support guys that backfilled Tampa Bay's roster on defense. Uh, guys like Cernak. And I wonder if Edmonton, because of the prospect base, I didn't even include Sam Rukov, who's on a one-way next year at six foot three. Not only do they have young defensemen coming, they've got young defensemen that are big and are coming. And I look at Tampa Bay's, and there's no Victor Hedman, but Edmonton's got a big, heavy D coming. Uh, should Edmonton, should Oilers fans be bullish about what they might be able to do in the back end because of that size? And it's not like they're all going to make it, Brian, but they got a chance to make it. Your thoughts? 
of course, they definitely won't all make it. You don't need all of them to make it, but you've got enough realistic bets that Ken Holland has to feel pretty good about where he's at. Uh, the decision for him, and I don't think it'll be much of a decision because where they're at cap-wise and what they're going to want to accomplish, depending on players like Kane, uh, is to either go out and get a veteran. I really felt like a guy like Nick Letty, who he's yeah. not a one or two defenseman, but he's a really good top four. They're about one player like that at the right age for being a really good team for five to eight years right now. That's what Edmonton's looking at. It's not easy to acquire that. And part of my bias to building through D has to do with, <laughs> yeah, I like to get them young because then you know you can plug a Victor Hedman in for when you get to these most meaningful games. It's not 22 minutes or 24. It's 27 if you really need them forever when they're young. So that's what Edmonton's looking at. they got to figure out a way to strengthen their D just a little bit more and let some of the internal organic growth take place. It takes a lot of jam sometimes to do that, to be patient. That would never be a problem for Ken Holland. He'll be patient. Brian, great stuff. Uh, thanks for the education on uh, how it all happened for you in Tampa. It's wonderful having you on the show. I didn't say it was all right. I just said those are my views. Hey, uh, hopefully we got to continue to do this for a few more weeks at least. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Brian. Take care. That is Brian Watton from the NHL Network, uh, former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's 12.55 in Edmonton. We'll take a quick timeout, come back with NHL today for elite promotional marketing when we return. All right, that one wins for me. I'm just going to say it right now. I love Peter Gabriel. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1257 in Edmonton. Bob Stauffer and Brendan S. Scott with you. And we are going to go to NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing. Your local branded merchandising specialist. Head to ElitePromoMarketing.com. Here's Brendan. It's the Lightning and Avalanche. Game one of the Stanley Cup final tonight, 6 o'clock. We've got it live on 6.30, Chad. And yes, Braden Point set to return to the lineup for the first time since suffering an ugly lower body injury against Toronto in round one. Bruce Cassidy, the new head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights, agreeing to terms in the desert after six seasons in Boston. Cassidy becomes the third coach in Golden Knights history. Columbus signed prospect, uh, goaltending prospect Daniil Tarasov to a three-year $3.15 million contract, while Ottawa re-upped with Dylan Gambrell, one year, 950000 And then uh, the Memorial Cup, you just heard, starts in Monday uh, in St. John, New Brunswick. Game 7 of the OHL between Steve Steos' Hamilton Bulldogs and the Windsor Spitfires goes tonight. There you have it. All right, it's 12.59 in Edmonton. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. And uh, when we come back, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. You're listening to Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.